Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. So we're in our last week, week four of Loveology. And we're going to jump in here, and uh, we've been in this whole aspect for these last four weeks on like what it looks like to lean into and learn about love, and all kinds of things, and the word love in our culture has so many, uh, uh, it, it's used from the benign to the very significant, but there's, there's just all this use of the word love, and oftentimes it loses some of its, some of its tension because we just... Uh, we, we, it, gets, it gets watered down a little bit. And so we live in a world that's fluent with using the word love, but it's anemic in the practice of it. So what does this look like as we learn to live out this aspect of love? And what we've been talking about is what does it look like to transform how we not only experience, but how also we express love? What does that look like for us? Because you have to choose where you take your cues on love. We either take them from culture or we take them from scripture. Anybody cultural cues on love might come through music. I'm not going to sing any. We're not doing church karaoke today. But I mean, there's, there's all kinds of songs that speak about that. Sometimes we take our cues from the magazine rack at the checkout line at the grocery store. You, huh? You read the covers of those magazines and man, boy, I got to get to page 37 because it's seven ways to do this or four ways to do that. And it, it's some cultural cue on what it looks like to love. Or we take our cues out of, out of scripture. And this series has been anchored in scripture. It's been anchored in, in some thoughts uh, from a guy named John, follower of Jesus, wrote five books of the New Testament. And, and there's a passage that was kind of in our anchor passage of this, and it's been 1 John 4, 7 to 12. It simply says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that that, that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Kind of the key phrase of that whole passage is what? God is love. See, we got to leave it in that order because it's easy to flip it around and we go more with love as God and then all of a sudden we fill in whatever the blank around love. We have to anchor it in who God is. And John does this great job of setting the foundation of true love. It comes from God through Jesus Christ, and then it lives, itself, it lives itself out in our lives with a love for God, and then that filters into a love for people. So our big idea today is simply this. Love didn't originate with you, so you don't get to pick and choose who you love. How many would like to make a list of who you love? We all would, because there's people on the list and people not so much on the list. We just have to be honest. I mean, if we, there's people in our life that we come in contact with that are not overly lovable. 
And God's like, well, I don't really, I'm not, that's not what I'm offering you. I'm not asking you to pick and choose who you love. I'm offering you the opportunity to practice love. And that becomes kind of challenging for us because it's way easier if we can pick and choose who it is that we love. And, and we're going to look at a couple passages today that, that, that are from another New Testament guy. His name's Paul. And he, and he wrote about this foundation of love, and it's got some similar thoughts to what John just said. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, he said this. He said, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. A couple of thoughts here kind of as our foundation today, because you and I, what does it look like for you and I to give love? The first thing, we, we give love because what we see in that passage is simply it's your identity. It is your identity. Ephesians 5.1, what does it say there? You can just kind of leave that up. It says, because you are what? Because you are his dear children. Your identity is you're a child of God. How is it that you can love others? Well, it's because of my identity. In your own strength, it's nearly impossible. It's, it's, it's hard in your own strength to do that because this isn't just the right thing or a good thing. It's now tied to your sense of identity of who you really are. And, and the second thing we see kind of in those verses there is simply this. What's in you should come through you. So we receive it, but then we're not only like receiving it, but we also, as we receive it, we have to be in a space where we can let it come out too. Look at that, just that simple phrase, live a life filled with love. So you're filled up. So it's in you now how to get it out of you. And you just kind of have to ask yourself, are you full of it? (laughs) Well, I mean, really, are you full of it? I mean, (laughs) now what is, well, how you define the it, that's up to you. You all, you all chuckled like I was going to have you put something else in the blank. But really, are you full of it? Are you full of, or is, do you have a, a life filled with love that's based on your identity of who you are in Christ because that's, that's, what, you, that's what we're all striving to be full of because we're all full of something. Trust me. I mean, I've had people tell me all kinds of things I'm full of and I'm sure you... I don't know why you laugh so loud, but, but I'm sure you, we all have had those moments. And then, and then the third thought just kind of out of this, this Ephesians introduction is simply this. You follow the leader. Following what? The example of Christ. So we don't lead the way in love. We're only following the leader and who led the way in love. So it's a lot easier sometimes. This is an easier space to be, to be a follower rather than a leader. And Jesus is like, hey, I led the way. Could you just choose to follow me? Because I have led the way. His love was self-sacrificing. And, and to give something away always, always involves a level of sacrifice, and that's the love that we're called to give. So that was kind of a long introduction to get to this point. But if we take our cues from Scripture, the, the question I really want to leave us with this morning is simply this. What kind of love does Jesus want you to give away? What kind of love does he want you to give away? So we're going to go to one other piece of Scripture, and then this is the last piece, I promise. But... Uh, there's a chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody heard of that one before? 1 Corinthians 13. It's, uh, it was written by a guy named Paul again. He wrote to an early church in, in uh, Corinth. 
That's why it's Corinthians. But he, it's chapter 13, and there's, there's a set of verses in there that become very common verses. They're verses that get spoken of a lot at a, at a wedding, and, and sometimes then they get shellacked, if you will, or needle-pointed or something, and they get put on the wall. Does anybody do shellacking anymore? That seems like a lost, oh, one, we got a shellacker right here. I didn't even know what shellacking is. It just seems like a good, you, you kind of paint, anyway. Okay, so, so 1 Corinthians 13, th- these verses are often quoted, but what it is, you got to remember, 1 Corinthians 13 comes between what? 1 Corinthians 12, it's not a trick question, and 1 Corinthians 14. You guys are awesome. So there's 12, 13, 14. You're amazing. 12, 13, 14. And do you realize when the Bible was first written, Paul wasn't writing and he's getting late at night and his candle wax is starting to wane and he's like, whew, I can take a break. I just finished chapter 12. Tomorrow morning I'll wake up and write chapter 13. No, this was not. Those are That roadmap of scripture where there's chapter and verse, that's for our help. So you and I can get on the same page. But it wasn't written originally where Paul's just like, okay, verse 4. Okay, i am okay, got verse 4 done. I'm going to write to verse 5. We're, that, we're so used to things in chapter and, and, and that breakdown. Paul didn't write that way. So when we get 13 and it's between 12 and 14, it was one continuous thought. And Paul's writing about life in the church. He's writing about what it looks like for us to live life in community, to live life together, and to live a life of love. And a love, ultimately, that it's a love that we can give away. So I'm going to read the verses. I want you to just listen because they're not going to pop up on the screen. They'll come up by phrase. But just listen to these verses out of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's a mouthful. And we're just going to kind of look at this briefly this morning, and kind of what does it look like? What kind of love does Jesus want us to give away? And the first thought is simply this. He wants us to give away a love that puts other people first. He wants us to give away a love that puts other people first. Love is patient and kind. Patient, simple definition. The ability to remain calm and not become annoyed when waiting. Which one are you easier with, calm or not being annoyed? Huh? Sometimes it's both. We lose both of those at the same time. But, but it's a challenge. Where do you find yourself becoming impatient? Sometimes it's with a process. Sometimes it's with people. And usually it's with both. You know, we all run into something that seems like a process that's broken. And then all of a sudden we lose our patience. And then at times we run into people that are just driving us nuts. And we lose our patience. It's, sometimes we get so concerned with the result that we forget about the person that's behind the process and we end up losing our patience and it's around the person rather than this process. Uh, Peter, an early follower of Jesus, writes these words to describe patience that's found in Jesus. He said what? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. Huh? 
You enjoy that patience? The receiving end of the patience of, that Jesus has to give us? I mean, that's a significant thing. So patient, how about kind? Having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. See, kindness focuses more on who the other person is becoming than on some of the things they're currently doing. How about you? Do you appreciate that someone focuses on what you're becoming than maybe what you're presently doing? That is a huge help. That becomes very significant for us. And it's that ability, once again, to focus on the person and value the, re- the, the relationship, seeing the worth in the other person over some of the current realities. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So God's patience and God's kindness become significant in our relationship to him. And it becomes significant in our relationship with one another. What does it look like for you to choose to, to, give a, to give some love away that puts other people first? Oftentimes that foundation of that love is found in what? It's found in patience and kindness. How's that going? Is that going good? It's a daily, isn't it? It's a daily for us to live with that. Second thought, the, 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 the love that Jesus wants, to give, wants us to give away is a love that celebrates others. A love that celebrates others. Look at those words. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. That's a mouthful. Break it down real quick. It's not jealous. Some translations say does not envy. What is envy and jealousy all about? It's about comparison. It's about what I have versus what you have. And I think what you have is better than what I have. And so it's hard to have love when I'm in this space of comparison because it's hard for me to celebrate with you because I feel like what you have is better than what I have and it's hard for me to celebrate that because now it becomes competition rather than this opportunity to compliment and you have to learn to celebrate the success of others you have to keep your eyes on the gifts and opportunities that you've received and choose to replace envy oftentimes with gratitude but it becomes such a tension for us it's not boastful It's a challenge to live out a love that celebrates others when you have to remind other people how great you are. It just is. How often is somebody celebrating some success, some story, some good moment, and then what do you have to do? You're just racking your brain to think up something that can one-up their story. And it's like, okay, boy, once they take a breath, I can hardly throw my, I want to throw my anecdote in. Why can't you just be quiet? And let them celebrate and just pause and go like, that was really great, wasn't it? Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I got to jump in and I got to go like, well, wait a minute. Can I tell you about my greatest hit? And how frustrating is that to people when you choose, when they have a, they have a moment and you all of a sudden got to one-up their moment. It's like, let them have their moment. What is that, what does that hurt you? But we get in that that space where we have to try to one-up. And even if you don't say it out loud, sometimes you're just thinking it. Oh, that's, that's not a big deal. 
boy, if I could just jump in here, I could just totally throw that one under the bus because this happened to me. And it's like, what are you talking about? Let them have their win. Paul said this to the church in Philippi. He said, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have that same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How is your attitude compared to the attitude that Jesus had? It's not proud. Tied closely with this whole idea of being boastful is the idea of pride. And how, is, how easy it is to take too much credit for something and forget about everybody that made it, made, made a part of what you were up to. They were a part of it. How many, it's like no one has gotten to where they've gotten without some help from others. Huh? If you ever see a turtle on a fence post, just remember he didn't get there by himself. And that's where you and I live. We're turtles on a fence post. And we're all of a sudden like, hey, look at me. I'm just, I made it. No, you're a turtle on a fence post and you didn't get on the fence post by yourself. You had some help getting there. You had somebody that was also a part of that. And as pride creeps in, it it, it blinds you to the opportunity to celebrate with others who are part of your success. And the last word is just, it's not rude. It's an, impol- it's an impoliteness that takes little concern about the other person. See, it's, it's hard to celebrate others when you find yourself, in a, in a, find, find yourself in that space where you're treating them in a way that you're putting them down. It's hard to celebrate others. Uh, third thought is simply this. It's a love that sees the big picture. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It does not demand its own way. As you look at the phrasing that starts this, other translations simply say love isn't selfish or love is not self-seeking. See, self-seeking is seen when you pursue what's best for you and for no one else. What does it look like when you're just in pursuit for yourself? Something that takes you away from seeing the big picture is when the focus is always on you. See, the arrows start to turn in. And it's like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's all about me. Anybody? Anybody? Just only me. Only me deals with that. And uh, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know what made me, but the, the camera's rolling, so it's good. Because we my. I spoke at Rainier last night, and so my family stayed home. So my daughter, last week, we had been out late, on, and so she stayed home, and she watched the message, and I referenced her in the message. So I got home last Sunday, and she's like, Dad, that, I never do that. And I was just like, I was like, oh, great, she watched. She saw you watching, too, but she didn't want to comment because she was on her mom's Facebook account. But, uh, but it's like, hi, Grace. But uh, it's, it's not irritable. Do you, do you ever feel like irritability is your default emotion? Do you have people like that in your world? It's just like they have one default emotion and it's irritability. It's easy to get irritable. It's easy to let that creep in. Because oftentimes our expectation and what we think is supposed to happen, when it doesn't happen, what's your emotion? Oftentimes it's irritability. Oftentimes, it's that space where you walk in, and it's like, ugh, there's a disgust. There's an ear. And, and I think about it kind of probably my simplest example is if I come home at the end of the day, and uh, 
everybody's been home and we homeschool Grace and so people are around and the, and the place is, you know, the house is what it is and you walk home and the house is chaos. Anybody ever walk home and the house is chaos? And you're just like default emotion for me sometimes is irritability. I, I read about this, it said a man came home from work and found his three children outside still in their pajamas playing in the mud with empty food boxes and wrappers all around the front yard. The door of his wife's car was open. It was the front door of the house. There was no sign of the dog. Proceeding into the entry, he found an even bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over, and the throw rug was wadded against one wall. In the front room, the TV was loudly blaring a cartoon channel, and the family room was a mess with toys and various items of clothing scattered around. In the kitchen, dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled on the counter. The, the fridge door was wide open. Dog food was spilled on the floor. A broken glass lay under the table. And a small pile of sand was spread by the back door. He quickly headed up the stairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothes, looking for his wife. He was worried she might be ill or that something serious had happened. He was met with a small trickle of water as it made its way out the bathroom door. As he peeked inside, he found wet towels, scummy soap, and more toys strewn over the floor. Miles of toilet paper lay in a heap, and toothpaste had been smeared over the mirrors and the walls. As he rushed into the bathroom, he, into the bedroom, he found his wife curled up in the bed in her pajamas reading a book. She looked up at him, smiled, and asked how his day went. He looked <laughs> bewildered, and he asked, uh, what happened here today? She again smiled, and she simply answered, you know, every day when you come home from work, and you asked me what, I, what in the world I did all day? Well, yeah, was his irritable reply. She answered, well, today, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so, see, sometimes we don't get the big picture. We, we want to lead with irritability, but we have no idea what was going on in the other sphere of that. So we walk into a situation, we lead with irritability. We have no idea what the backstory was. But no, we're just going to, yeah, I'm going to lead with this irritability. And they're like, what? What are you doing? And, and the, the next thought is simply this, keeps no record of being wrong. How many people like to keep a list when you're wronged? Come on, you're lying now. <laughs> this is a safe place. It's safe to confess here. We, at some point, we all have this little list. Pull it out. Oh, okay, got a little offense there. Yeah, you, yeah, I got to write that one down. Because why do I want to have a list? Well, personally, why do I want to have a list? I don't know about you. You may have your own reason for having a list. I want to have a list because if we ever get to a point of conflict and you got something on a list against me, out it comes. All right, I got something. You got that? Look at this. I got three or four things on my list. What are you talking about this one item you want to bring up? I got a whole list full of things here. I've been holding on to this because I know at some point you're going to come with one little nugget that you got to bring up in this relationship that we have. But boy, now I've got, I got my list. And I don't want to use it until it's the right time to use it. I sure wouldn't use it in a healthy way. A healthy way is to not have a list. Healthy way is to like, if I got something, to bring it up one item at a time. Anybody ever gotten an argument with somebody and the list comes out? You're just like, oh my word. How long have you been holding on to that? I've had that happen to me. And people, I'm like, wow, you've been, that was a long time ago. That was years ago. You've been holding on to that for years? I didn't even think about it again. 
I'm sorry I offended you back then. We probably could have worked it out about three years ago. But it's unfortunate that right now, after three years, you decide to pull this list out and see what can happen. It's like, come on. Keeps no record of wrong. See, there's a tension to that. It's about, see, when you keep score, it hinders the growth in your relationships. It hinders the opportunity you have of a bigger picture. See, some questions to ask yourself when you have this desire to keep a list. Ask yourself this. Is this a consistent issue? Or was it an anomaly? See, we get into, we get into arguments. Anybody been in an argument and started to throw the word always or never out? How's that work for you? You always, you never. And it's like we toss it out so quickly. Those aren't big picture words of relationship. Is this a competence issue? You know, you're working with kids or you've got some people. Do they have the tools and the skills they needed to actually do what you thought they were supposed to do? But no, you got to keep a list. It's a comp- they've never been trained. They've never, they've never learned how to do that. Is it a communication issue? Was your communication so poor that they, you, they didn't even hear what you thought you said? Or what maybe the intent of that conversation was. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're, holding them against, you're holding against them something that they never even understood. Because you weren't even clear in your community. You thought they were mind readers. You thought they could figure this out. And then does not rejoice about injustice. First uh, Corinthians in the NIV says this. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. How many of you have been delighting in evil today? Anybody? Huh? I mean, it's not something like you just go, man, I had a really rough day. I've just been delighting in evil all day. (laughs) I'm tired. This is busy, man. This is hard work, delighting in evil. And we don't, it's not a phrase we use a lot. But but here's here's a couple diagnostic questions I'd like to leave you. Do you delight in being right all the time? Oh, now I'm hitting some toes. Huh? Do you delight in being right all the time? Do you delight in seeing other people fail? Because now all of a sudden I look better because they failed. That's delighting. Do you delight in pointing out other people's faults? Just something to think about. That's all I'm offering for all of us. It's like, do we, yeah, delighting in evil sounds so crazy, but when you put it into some of those phrases, it's like, oh, that's not so crazy. I've gone there before. I've, I've, I've lived there. That's been part of it. Uh, rejoices in the truth. How do you rejoice with the truth? Uh, anybody ever have a hard time when someone has some truth for you? They call it sometimes constructive criticism. There's, there's, you can drop the adjective. It's just criticism. But are you okay with that? Do you, have you learned to receive that? Have you learned to receive some of that? Because sometimes there's, there's oftentimes there's truth in there. And, and it's easier for, for, for you to see the big picture for someone else sometimes than it is for, for you to see the big picture for yourself. What does it look like for you to be able to receive that? Do you, do you naturally believe the best about someone? See, the love that Jesus wants you to give away deals with truth, not rumor. And you have to figure that out. Uh, Ephesians 4.15, and said, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
And you have to be careful not to separate truth and love. Final thought is this, of the love that Jesus wants us to give away. It's a love that never quits. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. See, the love that Jesus wants you to give away has an enduring quality to it. I mean, look at those verses, never, never, always. Not so good in an argument, but they're great here. Never gives up. How often have you wanted to give up on either yourself or someone else? What does it look like to not give up? It never loses faith. Love believes the best. It hopes for the best, and it doesn't lose faith. Is always hopeful. Hope is what keeps you going when everyone else is ready to give up. Who is it that needs to receive hope from you today? I found the more that I choose to be a carrier of hope for others, the more that hope fills my own life. Hope allows you to encourage people who everyone else has given up on. Have you noticed there's a big difference between someone who is hopeful and hopeless? See, there's a point of what hope looks like. And being an encourager and a carrier of hope to someone today, who needs to receive the confidence of some hope today? Endures through every circumstance. Endurance is something that can be developed and grown. And as you learn to develop endurance in your own life, you can then be an encourager to others so that they can endure. You can give an example of that enduring love to other people. See, the bottom line on love that Jesus wants you to give away is simply this. Love is about sacrificing yourself for others. It's a sacrifice to truly love. And as we wrap up this series on loveology and looking at this whole aspect of what God wants us to give away, it's a sacrifice to give love away. Because sometimes we just don't want to do it. Sometimes it's hard work. Well, often most of the time it's hard work because it's challenging for us to be able to do that because there's sacrifice involved. Sacrifice is always a challenge because for sacrifice, what does that mean? It means something has to die. And usually it's me and my what I think is best, or what I, and all of a sudden, like, I have to choose to sacrifice. Let's close with these familiar words out of John 3. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus wants us to give love away. He led the way. He led the way. God led the way through the gift of his son, Jesus. Jesus led the way through the gift of his life. And as we recognize the pattern that God set of love, as we recognize what that looks like, you and I have this opportunity where now not only are we carriers of God's love, not only is it in us, but also it now has the opportunity to work through us. God's love has to get in so that it can get out. And it's out of that fullness. It's out of that life filled. See, when it's filled, now all of a sudden it's full and now it can overflow and it can step out. So I realize it's hard to give what you don't have. But God's like, hey, I'd love to fill you up. I'd love to fill you up because as I fill you up, I want to give you that opportunity that you can spill out. Because we're going to step out. Every week when we step out of this place, we step out these doors, we step into our world. 
We all work someplace different. Well, some of you work together, but we work in different places. We go to school in different places. We, we're, we're involved in different communities and different relationships and different people. But I know for, for a fact that everybody that we come in contact with it could use a little love. They could use a little love. And as we allow ourselves to be filled up with God's love, now all of a sudden we have the opportunity to spill some of it out. Because it's in us and now it needs to work itself through us. And so what does it look like for you today? What, which of these areas of uh, giving love is, is the biggest challenge for you? To put others first? To celebrate others? To see the big picture? To, to, to produce for other people? Who in your world just needs some encouragement? A love that never quits. See, that's the tension for us, to not only be care, not only to receive, but then to be carriers, to be those people who step into this week, and their people are like, wow, I could use some of that. Well, great, I got, some, I got some here that I'd like to give you. I've got something here that I'd like to give you because God's filled me up. I'd like to give some, I'd like some of this to overflow into you. Because it's no longer, as Paul said, it's no longer, it's no longer me that lives, it's Christ who lives in me. How is it that we choose to live out Christ in us, but also Christ through us? See, we're, we're not a, we're not a, you know what the problem with a pond is? It, does, it doesn't, it sometimes has an intake, but it doesn't have an outflow. And so it gets kind of stagnant. Our relationship with God is not a relationship of a pond. We're not a reservoir of God's love. We're a river of God's love. It comes in us, and it's got to flow through us. But if we dam it up, if you will, and we just become stagnant, it's like, God, that's not his desire for us. His desire is for us to receive, but also to let it flow through. And I realize we got to be filled up. That's why we gather like this. Anybody come in here empty today? We all do. We've got moments of emptiness. I get that. But this is an opportunity. We're filled up now. Why? not just for us. We're filled up because we got a world out here that needs to experience us full of God's love. So allow him today to work in you, but as you step into this week, allow him to work through you. Let's stand. We're going to pray and get you out of here. And so, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, it starts with understanding who we are in you. Our identity is anchored in you. And as we step out of this week, may we be those who have received your love. And as we've received your love, it's brought in us. Now may it work out through us. Because that is your desire for us. Because we're not reservoirs, we're a river of your love. And may it flow out of us throughout this week. May we, may we be carriers of your love. May we have a love in our life that's a love that's given away. God, may that be our prayer this week. May you, may you open our eyes. May you help us to see those people in those places where the, where the love that you've given us needs to be given to those around us. And we thank you for that, and we just receive it now. And we pray that we're carriers. We receive it, but we're also givers of the love that you've given to us. And we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week.